Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Mind is the Matter podcast, where we will be expanding our minds to its fullest potential, bringing it to its peace, and healing and loving ourselves along our journey. I am your host, Alyssa, so let's get started. What's up, you guys? It's currently 12 o'clock at night. (laughs) Anyways... I literally just, it's been a good day though. I felt like just getting up and recording. I've been wanting to talk about this topic for a little bit, but I kind of wanted to get a few things in first before diving deep into this episode with this specific discussion. So today we're going to be talking about growing up with a narcissistic parent. So a little backdrop or a little backstory on my end, like where this is coming from. I didn't necessarily grow up with a narcissistic parent, like neither one of my parents were narcissistic, but I did have a very, like the atmosphere I was in was very narcissistic, especially when it came to my aunt, because if you guys listened to previous episode or a previous episode, you know, kind of talking a little bit backstory of my life and you know, growing up, I lived with my aunt for a like a good amount of pe- like a period, a good amount of time, like from the ages of like twelve all the way up until like I was eighteen, like when I graduated high school. But where I'm saying like narcissistic, um, even though necessarily my aunt's not my parent, but in time she kind of was like my legal guardian because, you know, it's kind of crazy how you know both my like. I couldn't ask my mom or my dad for permission when it came to stuff. Like, you know how you ask your parents for permission? I couldn't even do that with my own parents. It's like my aunt and my grandparents kind of revoked my parents' rights against me, even though there was no legal documentation for them to do that. Like, they literally just, like, one day they said that my mom had no right to tell me what I could and couldn't do, which is very fucking narcissistic, might I add, because, listen, if I have a child, I will be damned if one of, like, like one of man like a family member is trying to tell me I can't sit here and raise my kid like I have no say in what they do and what they can't do like because my mom was very lenient with me like when I was younger growing up I would you know spend a lot of time at my friend's house because I didn't want to be in the house for obvious reasons (laughs) so I would spend a lot of time at my aunt uh, at my friend's house and like that like raised like eyebrows in my family so like they look at my mom like oh you just let her go anywhere and you like you give this like this amount of trust I'm like my mom knew I wasn't a bad kid to begin with. She knew I wasn't going to do be on some bullshit, especially at the, like when I was in seventh grade. So seventh grade is kind of where it stemmed off when they kind of were just like, okay, your rights as a mother is being revoked <laughs> right now, which literally is crazy. Like I remember I'd have to ask my aunt or I'd have to ask my grandma if I could go somewhere. Like I couldn't even go to my actual mom and be like, hey, mom, can I do this? Like <laughs> I came out of this woman's vagina and I couldn't even ask her couldn't even ask her for like for permission when it came to stuff it's like they they took away her parental rights against me and there was no legal like I said no legal documentation of this so I that's what that's kind of why I want to get into this and even growing up just my my family was always big on comparing each other so often especially comparing me to my other cousin who did not get pregnant at 17 outside of the her other three sisters that did well two of the sisters got pregnant at 17 at the same time and then one of them like dropped out of high school around the same time too it was just a lot of a lot of chaos that would that would go on in that house like it was very 
don't know how the hell I managed to keep myself together and not lose my shit within the eight years that I lived in that house because lord putting seven women in one house <laughs> like imagine all the period like the menstrual cycles that are just synced in yeah <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a good time but I mean listen it's part of my journey. It was part of my life. It molded me in some some shape or some form to make me realize, like, okay, this is not how I want to raise my own children. This is not what I want or how I want my family to be when I have a family of my own. So, anyways, for today's quote, it is called, it's called, <laughs> the daily quote of this episode is, recovery is a process. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes everything you've got to heal. And you know, in response to this quote, I didn't even notice in the time that I was growing up with very narcissistic guardians or people who were older than me or just my family members. Because like I said, we're talking about parents. So but I'm just kind of like doing a little comparison on my end, like what it was like for me, because technically my aunt was somewhat apparent towards me because, you know, like I said, they took my mom's like rights away, but took both my parents rights away. Because they felt like, you know, my dad, he has bipolar disorder, so obviously he can't. How can he make right decisions to raise a child? And obviously my mom was very lenient with me. They didn't think that she was being strict enough on me. But, you know, it's very funny because for someone who wasn't crazy strict on me, I didn't go out and get pregnant at 17. But that's that that's no one's ready for that conversation yet. Sometimes strict parents create sneaky children and sneaky children turn out to be even worse. So you think that you're doing all this strict parenting and helicopter parenting and meanwhile, you're literally just making this child even more like you're creating them to be more of a liar. And my mom being very trustworthy with me, she I didn't have to lie. I didn't feel the need. And I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong. But because my family always made me see like they, it's crazy to me, like my family would always make it seem as if like I was lying. Like, I don't know anybody else that's out there that's listening to this. But like you ever genuinely be telling the truth and they just want to pin you as a liar because like nah it's too good to be true like there's no way like dude what do I have to lie about (laughs) you know so anyways we're gonna be talking about like narcissistic parents and you know kind of ways to heal from a narcissistic parent so healing from a narcissistic parent has a positive effect on all of the other close relationships in your life but the distorted perception of reality a narcissistic parent imposes on a child can have damaging consequences as an adult at home and at work and the lack of self-esteem you know obsessive thinking minimization of abuse excessive anxiety and fear-based reactions uh, are like are common among you know adult children of narcissists and by addressing the impact of a narcissist of narcissism a person can find relief like you can find relief when you actually just Ooh, <laughs> Like, you're seeing this head on. And in response to that, I've never, like, I think I've only called out my aunt one time. But that was kind of towards the end. Like, when like I started seeing her true colors as a very greedy, very manipulative, very gaslighting type of person. Very, like, narcissistic behaviors. Like, as I got older, I started realizing, like, holy shit only reason why this woman like as much as my family wants to sit there and put it out there like oh your aunt was very hospitable to take you and your mom in where you guys had nowhere to go no she took us in because she saw both of us as paychecks let's be fucking real my aunt would be going to different places traveling everywhere and 
up until I graduated, she wanted to start charging me from like charging me rent and stuff. It's like it's insane. Like the I can I can really dissect the entire situation, but I think I need a couple more hours of a podcast time <laughs> to kind of get more in depth. But overall, my the only time I ever called my aunt out was when I was living with my grandparents because I noticed that my mom, like both my mom and my aunt worked at the same school and they would literally and they lived at the same place too. So my mom would literally get charged $50, even though they're going to the same exact place. My aunt would charge my mom $50 on top of paying $700 for a room in a house. And that wasn't even including them, my mom, my, uh, my aunt taking food stamps from my mom. So she's taking $700 plus food stamps. And my mom literally lives in a room that's literally just a bed and a dresser. That's it. <laughs> and then whatever food my aunt buys. Like, that's a dead asset. So $700, bro, if you can, like, gets me so mad come to think of it. Because it's like, what the fuck? Like, my aunt just showed nothing but greediness. And when I found that out, when my mom had told me about this, I was getting pissed. Because what the fuck do you, like, this woman is barely making anything. You Like, $700 is a lot of money at the time. You know, my mom was not making crazy money. So you're going to ask for $700? Like, bro, I don't even pay $700 in my rent today. (laughs) Like, I don't even pay that. And I don't even get food stamps. So it's like my aunt was genuinely trying to take every single dime that my mom ever made. And that pissed me off so freaking bad to the point where I was like, I was confronting my grandma about it. And my grandma was kind of like, you know, lashing out on me. And I'm like, you know what? I don't consider that woman my aunt because the only reason why she ever took me and my mom in was because she seen that as an extra paycheck to fund her little traveling, traveling, you know, extravagant, like, you know, her doing all of those other things and traveling and, you know, going on cruises, going to different states, like bullshit like that. And it's like, it blows my mind because I'm like, where the fuck are you getting all this money from? Like, seriously, like very, very greedy woman. Like that's, I don't really have positive things. Like, I'm mutual. Like, as an adult, I'm mature enough where I can be in the same room, like, family-wise. But other than that, I'm not a fan. I'm really, I'm not a fan. Like, there's there's good things about that woman, but there's also a lot of shady things about that woman. It's like, you know, you ever unravel, like, the family drama, <laughs> and you're starting to realize, and you're starting to nitpick a lot of shit, and you're like, damn, my family's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So, that was the first time, and I got, you know, got called. Uh, who the fuck I got called a bitch by my grandma when I was trying to you know cut like you know what was it stand up for my mom for what my aunt was doing pretty much and you know I got called a bitch it is what it is not even like uh, six months later I moved out of my grandparents house and I was in my own apartment at 19 so listen and even even both like both my grandparents and my aunt said that I would not be able to I wouldn't make it out in the world on my own you know, 23, I'm about to be 24 years old, have not moved back home. <laughs> and it's shit like that when you have a family that just doubts you so fucking much. Like, that's narcissistic. If you don't know, like, if you have family that literally, like, puts you down and makes it seem as if, like, you're not going to amount to anything, do you understand how damaging that could be for a, a child or, you know, a young adult? Especially, I was only, what, 18 19 years old but even when I was 17 and I got sexually assaulted by my cousin's baby daddy and I told them about this shit they sat there and looked me in the face and said I'm stirring up drama even when I brought it up to my grandma she literally like my grandpa stood up for me but 
when it came to her knowledge and when I told her I was like I don't look at that woman like she's my aunt because you know after that situation when I was 17 and I got sexually assaulted fuck that shit I'm like how the hell how do you look at your niece and tell her that you're stirring up drama after she dead ass just told you that the grandchild the father of your grandchild sexually like harassed her like sexually assaulted her like be fucking for real bro no and that shit traumatized me I'm not gonna lie like that really ooh, <laughs> like that situation in itself really fucked me up but I've healed from it but <laughs> but 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 <laughs> I've healed from it and I'm fine talking about it so that way I can shed light on other people who've actually been or not actually but are going through situations like this or have been through situations like this and learning how to pinpoint what narcissistic behavior actually look like what it looks like and how to recognize it is the first step is the first step in the healing process is to admit that there is something wrong with a with that parent's behavior a person can't recover from something they refuse to acknowledge most narcissistic parents pick a favorite child the golden child who are treated as if they walk on water and the other children are frequently treated as inferior through belittlement comparing ignoring or even neglect and occasionally the parent switches their favoritism depending on the performance of a child and the key to mem to remember is that narcissistic parents see the child as an extension of themselves so they can take credit for their successes and reject the child who fails and oh my god oh my god oh my like i said my parents wanted to stay for my whole graduation but because one my mom doesn't drive and two my dad didn't have a car at the time they depended on you know my aunt and my grandparents like whoever the hell they were riding with that's who they had to leave with they didn't have a choice my aunt and my entire family stayed for my for my cousin's whole graduation for mine they literally left after they seen me walk they did not they did not even stay the entire graduation imagining how heartbreaking 18 year old Alyssa, Alyssa was to you know come out and you know see all the rest of the all the rest of her class you know be welcomed and congratulated by their family and I'm literally walking into nothing like well my best friend her boyfriend and um her little sister were there thank god that's the only fucking family I need that I wanted to see but it's just how do you show up for one child and you not show up for the other especially when we were the only fucking two that graduated out of the five like what was that you see like my bro my throat be doing this weird shit <laughs> But it's like, how the hell do you show up for one graduation entirely, but you don't even show up for the other one? And not to even mention before my even before my graduation, like they would just appraise the shit out of my cousin. Now, listen, my cousin is very hardworking. I don't look at my cousin in any in any negative way. I love my cousin to death. But I'm saying in a way like my aunt like favored the hell out of her. She favored the hell out of all. Like it was literally I was kind of like a black sheep compared to, you know, my own like my cousins. Like even though we're not like we're not siblings, but, you know, still family. But just being in, under the same roof, I would notice like there's times when I was deciphering between colleges, just like trying to figure out what college I wanted to go to and like my aunt would have played she would always say oh you know she already knew what she wanted to do like months before she even graduated and you're kind of towards the end of it like what are you doing like you're obviously you're not gonna go I'm just in my head I'm like please fuck off like that literally in my head some days I would get so fed up 
with my own family like there's been day like there was a lot of disrespect that would go on like I didn't really I didn't have high respect for my for my aunt or her wife there's been times her wife would try she would try me on some shit and I would talk back I'm like first of all you're not gonna talk to me like that because one I'm not a child you can't like the shit that you used to do doesn't scare me anymore and I will stand up for myself and if you have a problem with that then like guess we gonna have to have a problem about it and we gonna have to talk about it so I mean I would just I would say what was on my mind I didn't hold back and I, I guess that kind of gave me some backbone as I got older because I didn't take anybody's shit after that but you know like I said the constant comparing like my aunt would definitely show so much favoritism towards my towards my cousin more than it was towards me and I get it like that's her daughter I understand okay but at the same time family's family to me family is family if I'm appraising one, I, I'm going to appraise the same way to another. You know, like, it doesn't matter if it's my child, if it's my niece. I'm going to do it exactly at the same at the same rate as what I'm giving. And it wasn't the first time. Like, that wasn't the only thing. It was first a college thing. Even to this day, like, listen, I don't, if y'all don't follow me on Instagram, like, y'all wouldn't know. <laughs> like, I work full time and I'm also in school. I can't go to school full time because I'm supporting myself. I'm paying bills. My my grandparents and my aunt would be telling me, "Oh, so when are you going to be finished with school? Like you've been I feel like you've been in school forever and Chrissy's almost done." I'm like, "Well, Chrissy, like she literally stays at home. She doesn't have to pay crazy ass bills the same way I do. She doesn't have to work full time." So, of course, she's going to be able to get her degree more faster and more efficiently than I can because I'm on a fuck I'm a, this is a marathon bro I am not in a race to finish my damn degree I'm doing it at the pace that I can and if listen if you have parents out there or just family members that are pressuring you that you need to be a certain like you have to be a certain age or whatever the fuck to get your degree this is not a race this is a marathon you are at your own pace I'd rather pass all my fucking courses with A's and B's than rush the process and fucking fail half the classes that I'm in just so I can say I'm done. Like, no, when I get my degree, I'll get my degree. Whether I'm 26, 27, doesn't matter. I'm like, this is like what I hate about like what I, when it comes to narcissistic parents is you're you can't be an extension of your child. You cannot live your life through me. My choices, like, I get it when it comes to legacies, when it comes to family. I don't know, maybe it's a Hispanic thing. But to brag about a child, I get it. Like, oh, that came from me. That came from my side of the family. Like, it's my life. It's your life. You are your own pace. Don't let nobody sit there and try to make you feel like you're not doing enough or you're, like, you know, you're falling short. You're not falling. You're not falling short at all. You are in your own rhythm. You are in your own lane stay in it and tell their asses to get the fuck out of it <laughs> like so anyways um next one is study narcissism so one once the narcissism is identified it is important to gain an education about the disorder and how it affects the entire family system because narcissism is part of biology and part of environment so chances are there might be like there might be other narcissists or personality disorders in the family and the environment can further draw out the narcissism in a child which is cemented by age 18. Become familiar with the signs and symptoms of narcissism. Begin to pick out the other narcissists. And boy, like, huh, there's been so many times. Uh, I mean, a lot of my family, bro, got some very dysfunctional. 
like I said, I love my family. You know, <laughs> love them, love them. But at the end of the day, I've noticed when I would not, like, I wouldn't compare, but I would compare. I would see how other families treat their children, treat how treat each other, and kind of go back on how my family treats each other. Complete polar opposites. Like I have an actually, I have so I like I said, I have so much family. My family in New York, whenever they would visit, they would see this shit. Like I'd have conversations with my aunts about this, and they're like from New Jersey. And they're like, what the fuck? Like, I remember for my aunt's wedding, my cousin got really fucked up. And my aunt was just like, oh, let her go. Let her go. She's fine. Like, not giving a shit that her daughter is really fucked up and she's about to get into a random ass Uber going God knows where. And my two aunts are like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, she's going to be okay. She's fucked up. Like, she's literally off her ass. And she's about to get into an Uber to go somewhere that's, like, outside of home. Like, what the... Like, what is your problem? Why are you acting like you don't give a shit about her, like, where she is, like, her state of mind right now? So my family from New Jersey would see this. And mind you, all of my family is from New York. But the family that still lives in New Jersey, they will come, sometimes come visit us in Florida. So my family in New Jersey, oh, love them. That, if I could, like, I swear, I feel like my life would be so much different if I just grew up with my family in New Jersey because they're so tight-knit, they're so close, and they're so, uh, so generous, so uh, pure intention when it comes to family. Like, that's what true family looks like. And when I kid y'all not, even when I was a kid, I would, like, latch on to my aunts whenever they would come. Like, whenever my, my aunts and my cousins from New York, like, from New Jersey would come, oh, my God, I just want to spend time with them, like, at such a young age. And my family here in Florida would get so pissed off at me they were like leave them alone let them they came here for vacation and my aunts are like what the fuck are you telling her to leave us alone we came here to visit like and they loved me they loved when they were around me but the thing about my family like the family that my immediate family here is I was one to to air out shit I was that like I was that fucking family member I didn't give a fuck I'd put your shit your I put your dirty laundry out there okay I would air out the dirty laundry. I would put shit on blast. And my aunt and grandma knew this about me because every single time my family members, my family members from New Jersey would come into town, they would know the shit. Like I'd always call my aunt, like I'd always call my aunt and my grandma out on certain things because I'm like, y'all are being fake as fuck. Y'all acting like y'all cookie cutter when in reality y'all are dysfunctional and narcissistic as fuck. Like y'all talk shit about each other. You talk shit about one another behind each other's backs. Like, it's, there's so much drama filled between y'all, and y'all would never see the root, like, the error of your ways because you're so blindsided by your own shit that you can't even smell it. It's fucked, like, it's a fucked up situation. You can't even smell your own shit. Like, oh, I can get so far deep with my dysfunctional last family. <laughs> but yeah, study narcissism because it's very well, it's very much well in your family if it's like that. And it's definitely going to be in not just not just in your immediate family, but even in like your siblings or, you know, cousins, whatever. So, and, and, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, connect the dots. So, the next step, it's easy in the beginning, but becomes more difficult as the impact of a narcissism is, of the real, <laughs> of the narcissism is realized. For each individual sign and symptom of narcissism, recall several examples in childhood and adulthood when the behavior is evident. So it helps to write these down for reference later. So, you know, if you have like a journal, 
you know, it's better to pick things out when you write them down, like especially in that moment of time when it's it's there. <laughs> so always good to like write it down to reference it back to it. And the more time that it's spent doing this, the greater impact of the healing and recollect both positive and negative events that, you know, resulted out of the narcissism. So going back to my own family, <laughs> my lovely family, you know, the only person that really noticed my state of being was my grandpa he was the only one I like when I first ever moved into my aunt's house at the age of I think I was 12 I was 12 years old and I didn't speak to nobody I was silent and my grandpa was the only one that noticed and if that's not a sign of fucking neglect like how none of my family members even bothered to ask me what the fuck was wrong like I literally wasn't talking to anybody I wasn't acknowledging anybody literally my mom would say hello and I would literally just go upstairs and ignore her like (laughs) I was dead mute and I think it was because of the fact that like you know as a kid it definitely traumatized me when from sixth grade living on like sleeping on the floor at my mom's best friend's house and getting bullied so bad in sixth grade that I just didn't want to go to school anymore and just having everything that I knew ripped away from me like my own room my bedroom my clothes like everything that I had was just pretty much taken away from me, like going to different church pantries and just, you know, starting all over, (laughs) like literally having no, no place to really call home because every place that I ever went to, I just felt like I was house hopping. I never felt, you know, steady. I never felt like this is permanent. It was always temporary to me. So at 12, I think I was just kind of soaking all of that in. And my grandpa was the only one that noticed. And you know, it's crazy. It only took him one fucking day of him visiting the house to see me or you know I think he was just like uh I forgot what it was my grandparents were visiting one day and my grandpa pulls me inside he's like let's he's like let's go to the store let's grab something and I'm like okay and he's just talking to me in the car and he's like you know I noticed you're really quiet like what's going on and like I said my grandpa was the only one that actually genuinely paid attention and gave a fuck enough to actually pull me to the side and tell me something or just like ask me what the hell was wrong because none of my family members asked me nobody else my aunt didn't ask me uh my aunt's wife didn't ask me cousins didn't ask me none of that shit they didn't ask me what the hell was wrong they just kind of like neglected the situation or just avoided it because they didn't want to deal with it and that happens so often with family members like they have like they'll avoid a situation they'll see it but they'll avoid it because they just don't want to deal with it and it's like how fucked (laughs) how fucked is that but no sitting in the car my grandpa's talking to me on our way to some store, I don't even know. He was like, "Do you?" He was like, "Do you want to see a therapist?" And I did. Like, I saw a therapist. <laughs> like, for about maybe two months, I saw a therapist. Just you know, I guess talking to a stranger about how fucked my family was and how much of a divorce, uh, seeing a divorce at the age of eleven or the separation of both my parents kind of fucked me up in the head, and just uh, having to go through life without my dad in the picture every day and you know sleeping on the floor and sleeping on an air mattress at my at my aunt's house from an air mattress to a futon that fucked my back I'm pretty sure that same futon fucked futon fucked my back up to this day and then having my own room with my cousin and then bouncing from my own room with my cousin to a, living in a room with my mom and then from that room, from my mom, living in a room with my dad. Like, you see, I had no, like, I didn't have the the permanent, uh, like, I didn't have my own space. It wasn't up until I was 19 when I actually had my own space. Like, I had my own room. Like, 
I never had something that was actually mine. I, I was always sharing with somebody. So the second I turned 19, oh, I was hauling ass. I couldn't wait to move and get, and it just felt so weird at first. Like when I first moved out of, out of a very dysfunctional environment and to be on my own, to be independent, I felt weird at first, but you know, I got the hang of it and I never went back as much as, even if, even when my, like my own family told me like, oh, it's so expensive. You're not going to be able to afford it. What are you doing? You know, it's only a matter of time before you come back. Never fucking came back. Never. And I swore to myself that day after I left, I was like, I'm never coming back. I don't give a fuck if I got to work one job, two jobs, three jobs, four jobs. I will make it fucking happen for me. And that that's why, you know, I'll thank my dysfunctional ass family because they put in they put something inside of me like they awakened my inner hustler so hard that I refused. Like they really they they sprung out the independent girl in me and the hard worker out of me because I refused to even give them uh, the the glimpse of satisfaction of proving them right. I wanted to prove them wrong and that that just fired me up more. It just made me want to work harder for myself and provide for myself. And after a while, it, it wasn't becoming, you know, I'm trying to prove something something to them. I'm trying to prove it for myself. And that'll, that'll come along as you're healing from, like, growing up with narcissistic parents or a narcissistic um, environment. Because, man... I don't look, I don't look at my life now. It's like, I'm trying to prove a point. I mean, they still to this day try to tell me, okay, when are you going to graduate? But I'm like, I'll graduate when I graduate. (laughs) If y'all drop dead by the time it happens, listen, at the end of the day, it's my fucking life. And at the end of the day, it's your life. You have to live your life. You can't let, you can't let narcissistic parents or a narcissistic environment or, you know, narcissistic family members try to tear you down and make it seem as if like you have to be somewhere you have to be in a rush to be somewhere because listen I'm doing this for me I'm not doing it for you as much as you want to sit there and kind of extend out your successes through me to brag to other family members of how oh my daughter's a doctor my daughter's a therapist my daughter is a lawyer I don't give a shit this is for me. That degree says my fucking name on it. It doesn't say yours. And I'm not going to sit there. You're not going to piggyback off of my success just to brag to other people. It's not how it's going to work. And don't allow your family members to do that shit either. Like, push yourself and do things for you. Don't do it for them, you know? <laughs> so another one is identify the abusive behavior. So during the previous during the previous step of, you know, connecting the dots, it's it is highly likely to some abusive behavior on the part of the narcissistic parent become evident because abuse for a child can be physical restraint aggression mental like mental abuse such as gaslighting silent treatment verbal uh, verbal abuse raging interrogating emotional abuse nitpicking guilt tripping financial abuse neglect excessive gifting spiritual abuse um legalism dichotomous thinking i think it's how i think it's not pronounce it and sexual abuse molestation humiliation not every event requires trauma therapy but some of them might depending on the frequency and severity and five is release the anger anger is such a natural response after everything has been connected and abuse has been identified it's hard to believe that a parent would like who should be loving and kind would do these things 
that they've done. And whatever glorified image a person had of their narcissistic parent is now completely shattered. Like whatever, whatever picture you put up of this parent and you just everything is just kind of being exposed to you. You're looking at it from another eye and it's kind of hitting you all at once. I want you to understand this. We don't we don't pick our own parents. We can't choose who is going to parent us. But at the same time, you don't have to have, like, something I feel should be talked about more. You don't have to have a relationship with your parent. You don't. Like, you don't have to respect your parent. At, at a certain age, you don't. Because if they failed you as a child, why the hell should I pick up, why should I pick up the pieces or try to rekindle something that you fucking failed? You failed me. So what, it's my responsibility to, you know, put something together to rekindle a relationship that you failed to to have with me when I was younger, when I was in when I was in your uh when I was technically in your custody? <laughs> like cuz I mean, after a certain age, your parents don't have sole custody over you anymore. You are your own independent person. Nobody has custody over you. At that age of 18, your both your parents don't have they lose all custody of you. And you don't you don't owe your parents a relationship anymore. You don't live with them. Like I get it. You know, it's so hard to go about life and not have a relationship with either like either one of your parents, but you're not obligated to have one with them. And as as anger may creep up on you when it comes to these decisions that you're making whether or not you want to keep your parent in your life you know make those decisions from a calm point of view like don't make decisions out of anger because sometimes when we make decisions out of anger it tends to bite us even harder in the ass later on in life and we'll start having regrets and you know life is meant to be lived without regrets and do things on your terms not anybody else's so I get it I get that, you know, for me, like my growing, my growing up experience, I know in some shape or form, my family loved me, but I don't think I ever received that in a way that was felt like I felt like they only did things out of, out of selfish benefit, like things that came off of me. The fact that I knew how to sing, I remember my family would always talk like, oh, you're going to be on American Idol, you know. I'm going to meet J-Lo because of you, I swear to God. I wish I was making this shit up. <laughs> I wish I was making this shit up. But even when we would go on cruises, like, they would be so hard to push me to do, like, karaoke and stuff. And, like, I loved it because, like, it gave me appraisal. It gave me, like, a sense of, oh, they're proud of me. I'm doing something right. Like, because I felt like growing up, nothing I did was good enough. And I would try and try and push and push and push to get them to say, you know, I'm proud of you. You did this. Hell, even my fucking graduation, I didn't feel like I did enough like because they didn't even stay the entire thing. And that, like I said, that fucked me up. Not going to lie. That really, that did it for me. But at a certain age, as I get older, you know, I try to keep my relationship with my grandparents because, you know, they're getting old. And I will never lose my, I would never lose my relationship with my grandpa. I would for real die for that man. If he needed a kidney, I would give it to him. Like, that's the level of love that I have for him. Because my grandpa was the only one that genuinely gave me that appraisal. 
he was the only one that ever told me he was proud of me. He was the only one that told me, like, he's seen me. He genuinely seen me through all of the things that I went through as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. He's seen me thoroughly. And he always believed in me. And I feel like my grandpa was the, he was the backbone for me. And he was my strength. He taught me things that, you know, schools didn't teach me the world. He taught me things about the world that I didn't even experience yet. (laughs) And I was already kind of pre-prepared for it because he taught me those things. So yeah, my other family members weren't really (laughs) ideal, but you know, it only took one family member for me to really know what love feels like from a fam, like from a family member, from somebody that is related to me, somebody that is related, that is blood related to me, you know? Um, so sixth one is gain perspective. So this is a good place to step back for a while to gain a better perspective and begin by reflecting on how the narcissistic, how narcissistic parents distorted image of the world and people shaped current beliefs. And then drill downwards toward the vow, the vows and the promises that were made internally as a, res- as a result of the narcissism or abuse and counteract the distorted, distort, distorted images, vows, or promises with a newly gained perspective of reality. And this essential step frees a person from narcissistic lies and false truths. How hard is it when you're just like you're brain is like in like it's set in stone what you're what you've been grown up with what you've learned and what you've seen getting out of those old habits and trying to create something better for yourself in order for you to create something better for yourself you have to break those generational curses that were lingering on from your family you can't allow their actions and their behaviors to be taken on with you and how you treat your children how you treat your future relationships because now you're just repeating cycles. You're repeating a pattern. And another thing I wanted to talk about a little bit into this too is how narcissistic parents create people pleasers. They create people who, you know, like obviously we know what people pleasing is, but what does it actually mean? Like to, you know, how a narcissistic parent or a narcissistic family can create a person to have a people pleaser like personality and that just means like this person feels a strong urge to please others even at their own expense and they may feel that their wants and needs do not matter or alter their personality around others and of course people pleaser is not a medical diagnosis or a personality trait that psychologists measure instead it is an inform- it's an informal label people use to describe a, va- a variety of, of behaviors, such as agreeing to errands as agreeing to errands a person does not have the time for or does not want to do at request. And why I say this kind of like goes hand in hand with how narcissistic parents create people pleasers is because, you know, like I said, going back, oh, <laughs> so. Going back to these parents in particular that have the favored one, like they put this child above every other child. They put it, they put it above everyone, right? You will do anything to get just to be at that same level as that other child that is being favored. Like you would give anything, you would do anything out of your power. So that way you can be recognized as a favorite, that you can be accepted by this parent. And in your heart, you feel like no matter what you do, it's just not good enough. And obviously people pleasing does come from like low self-esteem like 
normal signs of people pleasing is just finding, like I said, finding it hard to say no to requests regularly, taking on extra work even if they don't have the time, often overcommit to plans, responsibilities, or projects, or avoid advocating for their own needs, such as saying as by such as saying they are fine when they're not and avoid disagreeing with people or like voicing their honest opinion and just go along with things that they are not happy about to avoid creating fiction. Oftentimes kids don't want to start a problem. They just want, they just want to be heard. They don't want to have to start an argument because, you know, maybe if I yes them to death, maybe then they'll see me. Maybe then they'll be happy with me. They'll be proud of me. They'll make, they'll show that appraisal towards me. And it's hard to think of, you know, coming from a family of dysfunction and of, like, of plenty of narcissists, like, plenty of narcissists I've grown up with. And I didn't really understand that true definition. Like, when I was doing, like, when I was kind of dissecting this episode before I put it together and started recording, it made me realize, like, shit, (laughs) like, there's so many people outside of me that go through this, that experience this, that, you know, have narcissistic parents and don't talk much about it, but their actions as an adult really speaks volume of where they came from, of what they grew up with, and how those specific narcissistic parents affected them in such a way that now they can't even lean on their own validation. They're seeking out validation through others because that's the same validation that they were trying to seek from their own parent. Like, what? I, like... It's fucking insane to me how I think about it now. I was trying so hard as a child to prove myself, to prove like, hey, I'm not going to be like this. I'm not going to turn out like this. I'm going to do everything I can to be successful. So that way you guys can finally look at me and say, oh, I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. You're doing it. You're doing great. But you know what's insane is like with with a healthy parent, (laughs) like with a healthy family member, like such as my grandpa, I was never hard on like telling him about my successes because he was always so giving and so like positive towards me, so believing in me. Whereas my aunt, you know, whenever it came to conversations, when like whenever I would we would be at the dinner table, we'd be eating and stuff, and I'd be talking about school, it's just nothing I said was good enough. Like I'd be like, yeah, I'm applying to colleges, I'm applying to scholarships. And she would kind of just brush it off. But then when my cousin would start talking, it was just full on engagement. Like she would be listening, full focus. But whenever I would be speaking, it's as if like I'm not even in the room. I might, like, I might as well be a fucking cockroach or something, a fly on the wall, because it was just never paid attention to. Like more, more so as a nuisance more than like a blessing like to have in a family. And I mean, often I, I kind of do think my people pleasing like what I used to do I mean I'm still kind of getting over it now like I'm learning to say no I'm learning not to feel bad when I do say no when I choose to spend time with myself or choose the things that I want to do outside of what other people want me to do you know still getting under the wraps of it still trying to control my own people pleasing but you know a lot of the times with my people pleasing I think it definitely came from my family it came from the fact that I was always trying to shelf my own needs and my own feelings and emotions and not voicing what was honest to me so that way it wouldn't cause friction because I felt like if I caused an argument if I caused a problem then they would just view me less even more 
and I was already not seen as it is. So I didn't want to be looked at like, okay, I'm not doing shit. Like, like now I'm really not getting any, any appraisal from my family. And it's like, oh, how bad you want it and you're not receiving it. It's just, it's a lot. And, you know, in regards to the people pleasing. So for those who don't know, you know, what causes it is, um, what was it? Low self-esteem is the starter. So people who feel they're worthless or, you know, yeah, they are worth less than others and they feel their needs are unimportant or they may advocate for themselves less or have less awareness of what they want. And they may also feel that they have no purpose and they cannot help others. Another thing is anxiety. Some people may attempt to please others because they feel anxious about fitting in or rejection or causing offense. For example, a person with social anxiety may feel they must do whatever their friends want in order for people to like them. And it can be a subtle attempt to control others' perceptions. And that's actually perfect. I think I had so much anxiety with an old friend group of mine like before I moved into the apartment that I'm in now. Like these girls, I, I felt like I was damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. So I just became a yes man. I just went along with everything because I just... To them, to me, I wanted to be accepted in their group. Even though I was already in the group, I kind of still felt on the outs of it. So I was just willing to go with whatever the girls wanted to do. And honestly, I wish I would have stood up for myself a little bit more and would have just stood my ground when it came to my own shit. Because it could have saved me some bodies. (laughs) It could have saved me. Because, like, the girls were just so, like, they were so pro. Oh, just, just have sex. It's whatever. Like, you don't need to be in a serious relationship to have sex with a guy. And, man, peer pressure is a real fucking thing, y'all. It's, it really is. I, like, during that time period, I think I had sex with, like, four different guys during that time, which, which is fucking insane. And that's half of my body count, literally. After I fucking left that apartment, I was, like, so ashamed of myself. And I'm, like, what did I do? What did I get myself into? Like, why, like, I know this is kind of going, like, outside of the topic, but just understanding how far people-pleasing can go, that you'll lose yourself, that you'll lose track of your own values and your own morals to to please somebody else's, to be more of an advocate for another person's values and what their views are. And I lost that. I lost myself along that journey that I was in at that time, along that phase, that period of my life, I lost myself. And I can never get that back. But but the thing about it is, instead of tearing yourself down about what what you've done or what, what who you used to be or what you don't even recognize anymore, is the power to re... What is the word? Oh, my God. So the tip of my tongue. Ah. To redefine yourself. You don't have to be the things that you thought you were or the things that you've done. You can make changes. You can become something new. And you don't have to be the things that's hurt you. You don't have to be the things that's neglected you or failed you or made you feel like you were not important. I love, you know, one thing I love about, like, the friends that I have now is they can, they ask me, do you, are you sure that you want to do this? Because I know that they've themselves have had people-pleasing personality traits. They themselves have always been wanting to just do, you know, what everybody else was doing and never had someone ask them, are you sure? Is this something that you actually want to do? Those are the kind of people you guys should be surrounding yourself with, people who are aware and people who actually have been dealt with it themselves, you know. People-pleasing is pretty often. It comes, 
comes with the trauma, you know? <laughs> and like I said, when dealing with a narcissistic parent, when dealing with parents that just put you down or make you feel like you're in constant competition with your sister, with your brother, whoever the hell the case may be, just know that you yourself are a masterpiece and the and the rate that you're going, you do not... Uh, you don't have to believe what they believe. You don't have to you don't have to go against what comes natural to you because it's not what comes natural to them. If you are loving, if you are genuine, if you are passionate, but your family isn't, doesn't mean you you don't have you have to adapt into not being those things. Because something I noticed about myself, when I when I tend to like act outside of my natural realm, outside of my natural self, it doesn't feel good to me. I don't like it. I don't like how it feels. I don't like, okay. Like even in times where I've had moments in my life where I'm just like, you know, what? I just don't care anymore. Like in a, in a way saying I don't care as truly being careless, like, you know, acting like nothing was a big deal. Like things that matter to me, I didn't care about anymore. That type of sense of not caring. And I had to be true with myself. I'm like, you know what? I care about being in a relationship. I care about having genuine friends in my life. I care to care for other people. I care to love other people. I care to show people genuine, pure intentions. It's cool to give a shit. I give a shit. (laughs) There's certain things that are not meant to be prioritized of giving a shit about. But in point, like as human beings, we're meant to feel our emotions. However, when it comes to responding to our emotions, we don't always have to, re- we don't have to reciprocate what's happened, the actions that's happened to us. And I've always appreciated that about myself, that out of all the hurt, out of all the pain I've ever been, or anything that people have done to me, I could never sit there and do the same thing back to someone else, no matter how badly I've been hurt. And if you're one of those, if you're one of these type of people where you've been trampled on, you've been stepped on, you've been taken advantage, and you still don't understand why you still have such a good heart that you still go out of your way to help people, that's something that God's personally, that's such a strong gift within within you because that just goes to show that no matter what, your heart is made of something else. Your heart is molded out of something else. That is special, and only special beings deserve or to be granted of that, to be experienced in that, in the in your presence. That's so different. And I don't want nobody that's listening to this to think that what they came from is all they are, that I'm just going to be like my parents. I'm just going to be narcissistic. I'm just there. It's, uh, it's embodied in me. No, it's not. You can stop the cycle. You can stop everything. If you choose to stop it, you can be the end of that process. It could end with you. It does not have to reach on to your children, to your children's children. It doesn't. You can make a different pattern. You can make something new for them, for yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Because, you know, none of us asked to be brought up like that. And sometimes we become the person that we wish we had around when we were younger. And that hit me hard. Like, I'm becoming the mother I wish I was to myself as a younger child. What I'm, what I'm building 
myself to be, the type of woman that I'm building myself up to be, what I'm training myself, what I'm learning, what I'm educating myself is so that way my child will never have to experience any of the things I've experienced. Any generational curse that comes behind me will be just that. It's not going to push forward to my next generation, to my family that I'm creating out of me. It's coming out of me. It's coming out of you. Don't allow any toxic, narcissistic family member tear you away from a positive future for yourself. You are not, you do not have to be the extension of your success for them. Be the success for yourself. I know the healing process is hard, but part of healing is recognizing where you came from and recognizing that you don't want that for yourself and, and understanding that I want better for me. I want better for my, for my partner. I want better for my children. This is what I went through. This is what's happened to me, but I'm not those things. I'm not my parents' mistakes. I'm not my parents' choices. I'm doing this for me so that way I can set an example for what, where I came out of and where I'm going. And that's perfectly okay. I'm okay with the things that's happened to me. But what I'm not okay with is if I allow myself to fall so deep, to fall so under all of my beliefs, throwing all of my morals and all of the good heart that I have. And just allowing myself to become the things that's once hurt me, to hurt someone else, to hurt my own child, to hurt my family. I don't want that. And I don't want that for you guys either. I don't want you to look back at your family and let that be such a burden on you that you can't push past it because you can. You are more than capable of pushing past anything that you truly want for yourself. Don't allow your family, don't allow anybody to tell you that you can't do it because I'm telling you that you can. You are more than, way more than capable of making those things happen for you. It is completely up to your initiative. It is your due diligence to make it known for yourself that you've got this, that you are healing you. You're being identified with what's happened and you're not going to allow the, the cycle or the process to continue on. <laughs> I love you guys so much, man. I really do. That was coming straight from my heart because I'm looking at it like when I talk about this, when I look at it, I talk as if like younger me is in front of me. Younger me, I would hug her and I would tell her that she's doing great things. That she's going to be doing great things. And I'm doing everything I can to make sure that I'm okay and that you're okay. And spreading this awareness, spreading this healing words and words of, of affirmation and words of encouragement to make it known to every single person that every single one of you are special in your own way and you are not, not the dysfunction of where you came from and you don't have to be that either. So I will leave that on that note. Anyways, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. It's currently one o'clock in the morning and I should probably go to bed, <laughs> but I hope you guys enjoyed again. And please remember that your narcissistic parent, your toxic environment that you grew up in, it's not who you are and it's not defined to be who you are. And that's not your destiny. That's not your purpose. And that's not your calling. You're called for something so much more higher. And I want you to believe that in yourself. If no one is telling you that they believe in you, I'm telling you I believe in you. So hope you guys have a good rest of your day, good rest of your week, and I will see you guys back here on the next episode.